The anonymous landlord is more than just making profit from property. It's a system of automation and a strategy which will shape the way you invest in property forever. It's a quality of life, it's a way of life. It's a business mindset. The anonymous landlord will make loads of money from property and continue to grow wealth and assets without giving up time or energy or life. Because what's the point in making a load of money from property if you've got no time or energy to enjoy it? My name's Tom Sone, and this is The Anonymous Landlord. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the podcast. This week I'm with Tom Sone, and uh, he is lighting it up, and um, we are going to dive in here. I can feel a bit of echo, can you hear the echo? That's not uh, who's echoing. Is it you or me? Echoing. Oh no, it's gone. It's gone. We're back in. We're back in. <laughs> we won't edit that out because I just leave it all raw. So uh yeah, anyway, Tom, welcome. I have been on your podcast several times. I think yeah, this is the third time we've actually spoke. So um my turn. So I think the first time we did a dual podcast, didn't we? No, first time we did. We did then I think we did a dual. Now That's you're right. online. So here we go, let's thrash it out. Um and now we're basically BFFs, aren't we? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, deep down, yeah. You know, brother from another mother and all that sort of stuff. <laughs> I kept my hair, though. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> oh, uh, but, yeah, um, how have you been? How have you been, buddy? It's been uh, about three weeks since I spoke to you, but how have you been? Yeah, really well, mate. Really busy. Um, I've bought a ton of properties over the last few months because I think certainly in your area, I think there's going to be a – really good growth up that way so i've been buying as much as i can growing my business as well and doing the podcast it's been it's been crazy you know i know i know i know my um i just i get like a new level each each week i'm like is this journey ever going to slow down and it just seems to get faster and faster and faster i mean it's all good i'm not complaining at all but you know it does seem to be you know, just the people I'm meeting, the networks I'm creating, you know, the JV partnerships I'm striking up and, you know, the avenues, the business is going in and just everything seems to be like on steroids at the minute. And I don't know why, but uh, as I said, I'm not complaining too much. So, um, so obviously, um, typical Southerner wanting to buy all the property up north. Uh, <laughs> everyone seems to want to creep up here, yet they don't want to live here because it's the worst place in the world. But um <laughs> So where have you been buying, may I ask? Uh, I've been focusing on houses um, and I've bought my first, oh, I should have probably told you about this. I've bought my first um, serviced accommodation property. So uh, really excited about that. It's near to Hadrian's Wall. It's a massive, great big apartment, uh, which I've picked up at a decent price and I'm going to flip it, do a flip to let on it basically, but serviced accommodation. So really excited about that. The other ones are, generally speaking, I do most of my stuff is flip to lets or BRR, whatever everyone calls it, um, where I buy it, do it up, refinance it, rent it out. Mm-hmm. Um, so I bought, what did I, on Monday this week, I completed on three all simultaneously. Friday before, I completed on two. Um yeah, just I'll just keep going. There's a few more going through legals right now. Probably going to complete on one tomorrow. Um, I think 
a good topical question around that is, you know, typically the game's quite tough out there at the minute, you know, for this strategy in particular. You know, the, the market's very hot. The prices are, are not really coming down or being negotiated on. So you have a very strong deal source and background as well. What, um, how are you still managing to, to sort of manoeuvre through that? Um, over the years, I've kind of connected with a lot of good sourcing agents. So I'm not really a sourcer myself. I would probably classify myself as not only an investor myself that works through sourcing agents, but also as a property broker. Um, well, as you know yourself, you know, you get offered all of these properties that are really good deals and you're not mm -hmm. going to buy them all. Um, so I tend to have just a few investors around me that also want to invest in property. So if I get a really good deal that's, you know, a nice cheeky little 15% yield or whatever, 20% yield, uh, but I'm not buying at the moment, then I've got a little circle of of investors that will buy them and I just pass them on and connect them up with the sourcing agent. So I'm more of a broker in that sense. Um, yeah. But certainly the way I've kept going through is by ex expanding my network and talking to more and more people, um, doing a bit of due diligence on more and more sourcing agents and getting to know areas of growth. Like There's a guy called uh, John Penquit. You might well know him. Um, down in the Welsh country, if that's how, <laughs> that's my best Welsh accent. Never, but, never do accents. I'm terrible at them as well. <laughs> <laughs> but he's like a data geek, and if you follow him, then you'll get a bit of an idea of the sort of DD due diligence you can do on on finding growth areas and development areas. Uh, he won't mind me giving it, giving him a shout out either. Yeah, yeah, Dayton, it's hugely important. I mean, um, yeah, network is. It's something you don't even think about or you think it's just what people say when you're starting off right but the more you go through it you like you realize how important it actually is and and how how far it can make you go you mm. know, it, it is super um super 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 important to start building your network and I, and by that i don't i don't really mean you know going to a pin meeting and you know sitting at the back <laughs> and you know and Every now and then, exchanging numbers with someone. I mean, th there probably is some benefit in that, but the ROI you get from it's not half as good as you know building your own network. Actually, having it as a plan in your business to be proactive in you know building that network, and um, yeah, that, that's that's definitely been you know I guess the backbone of of, of, of where I've got to and where I'm probably yeah. going to go in the next next twelve months. I think so. Um, so yeah, so uh, so your SA, are you going to be uh, running that yourself? How is that going to be managed? Um, I think you are actually, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah. That one. <laughs> <laughs> um, now you're right, and and what you said earlier on about growing your network, I totally agree. You know, you there's so many there's so many people that sit here on Facebook, and they're probably watching us right now um, that think, oh yeah, you know, I, I want to start getting to know people that can help me in my property journey and so on and so on. Um, but you're on Facebook. And, you know, I think the first rule, if you want to invest in properties, then the first thing you should do is tell people that you want to invest in properties, right? And and so when I first started out with this, I started talking to uh, letting agents, funnily enough, first of all, and started building up contacts with letting agents around the country in the areas that I wanted to look at. And then you normally find that the letting agents, if there's a sniff that they're going to be able to get a managed deal, then they'll help you find the right properties. Mm -hmm. And they're not going to find you a property that they won't want to manage. So 
certainly for buy to let properties and flip to let properties, you can get such amazing free information from letting agents. They'll also tell you the rent values. They'll also know a bit about the sales. So they'll know whether there's demand, whether you can have a good exit route. If you're going to buy a place, you want to be able to exit quickly if you need to. No point buying a place if it's not able to be sold at some point. But yeah, letting agencies, if anybody was looking to expand their network and find really good property deals, then go after the letting agents. And then the letting agents will get you into the estate agents as well. Um, but no, first SA. Sorry, that's what you asked me, wasn't it? Uh, <laughs> service time. accommodation, yeah. So well, started, was, why, did you want it? why did you want to buy a service accommodation unit? Well, funnily enough, it's a bit of a journey for me. It's kind of the plan. Um, and when I first started out in, in property investing, I went after safe but profitable buy-to-lets and flip-to-lets. I did a load of flips myself as well, just to build up the cash pot as well. Um, but generally speaking, my focus was to invest money in flip-to-lets. So that was kind of safe and profitable for me. And then once I've got a, a nice portfolio of properties generating a good income, I then diversified into my first HMO, um, which I'm really excited about. It's an awesome HMO, um, purely because actually it's extra exciting because of the boom that's happened up in your neck of the woods in the northeast. Because I bought it for, I bought it for ninety grand, um, and it's a big five bed HMO. Anyone down south, that is actually a house and not just a room. <laughs> yeah, right. I know. So I bought it for 90 grand. Um, and the most recent comparable property to it was exactly the same, exactly the same size, exactly the same everything, was just sold for 187 and a half. And that's mind-blowing. And also, I'm going to keep it anyway. I'm going to refinance it. I'm going to keep it because it brings in about 2.5K a month. Anyway. So that was my first diversification, a bit more risk, but more reward. But luckily, my contingency is my portfolio. Yeah. Um, and now I've gone into the service accommodation, which is more reward. Um, so at the moment, you could probably say that there's lower risk on service accommodation than normal because we're going to have a load of people staying in the well, staycation is the general term, isn't it? But my calculation basically puts it at a yield um, with a contingency that is is very comfortable for me. You look at worst case scenarios, I still make profit. So, um, and that's the key, isn't it? If the worst happens, then you can make profit. Yeah, I, I, think, um, I think the profit margins on SAs when you get them right are, you know, well, well north of 20%. But I think yeah. one thing that a lot of landlords don't factor in is, Every, I don't know what, I mean, you've got a big lettings agency, you know, you can probably, every 16, 17 months, there's a change in tenancy, something like that. Takes more, takes the average, average tenancy across the country is 44 months, but mm -hmm. that's going to be lower if you've got, say, a first-time renter's property, like a one-bed flat or a, something like that. Higher if you've got, say, a three-bed house. It's probably pushing more towards the eight, nine years on the bigger yeah. properties. But, but yeah. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, so go on. You've got, and then you've got a couple of months, maybe at best three weeks between changeovers because someone's in your property for 44 months, it's going to need a refurb, you know, especially if they haven't told you that, you know, the extractor fan went in the bathroom three years ago and the damp's all up the wall. <laughs> and, 
All that sort of good stuff. So, you know, when you factor in over a period of time running SA on the same level, not only is the cash flow greater, but you also, because you're doing minor maintenance all the time, you never have these major maintenance bills. And there's never a void, you know. There's never void periods. And um, up Adrian's Warway, we've we've got um, some stock that way. And you know, the summer months are like you're like mental money. You know, four and a half, five grand for a two bed house, and you know, it's just crazy money. And um, you know, that's almost like, I mean, even now to this day, I still see some of the transactions going through the business for some like two bed dormer cottages in Sunderland, or you know, a one bed. Flat in like the middle of Fenham or somewhere like that, and you're like, like you know, two bed flat in Birmingham. You're like, how is that generating that money? You know, but but it does. But hey, it's not been rosy. You know, there's been ups and downs, especially in the last sort of fourteen months or so. And uh, you know, that was I remember March of twenty twenty third or twenty six very well when Boris announced that the country was locking down, and all I saw was my phone light up with cancellations. <laughs> so uh, that, that wasn't very clever, but. Um, but yeah, no. So, so, so you you you've basically started on the drug. You're going to be hooked on it very soon, and you'll not buy anything else but SA units after that. I would imagine. Well, you're absolutely right. I like I like serviced accommodation for sure um, because it's exciting, and if it's managed well, then you actually you make a good yield, and you always calculate a contingency. For me, I'm a bit of a maths geek myself. I think you are too, actually. Um, but maths geek for me is all about contingencies and yield. So if I'm going to buy a property that I'm going to rent out as a holiday let, then my contingency or my backup plan is that am I going to be able to rent this out as a standard residential if the holiday market goes tits up? Or am I going to be able to sell it as a standard residential property and still make profit based on the investment I've made? Um, but you're absolutely right as well. I'll tell you what, funny little story. I would have got into... Um, SA maybe six months ago and I was offered a block of uh, as a terrace of four cottages down in uh, the south of Wales and it was a stunning place this this is the holiday destination of Wales um, and this property was in the prime spot and I was picking it up for an absolute steal well it sounds a lot but it was 600 grand um for uh, sorry 575 grand for all four cottages and it was worth 700 750 maybe but this was right in lockdown so the owners just needed to exit and so i, I was picking it up for that anyway then we got into earlier this year and the all of this talk about staycation and this holiday industry is going to boom. Airbnb are flooding the market with content about how it's going to be amazing. And then I get this call from my lawyer saying the sellers are pulling out <laughs> because they want to do it for themselves. And uh, so that would have been, a, I mean, that was that was something like a 60 grand, 70 grand a year. Easy, easy. Yeah, we profit, had a profit. We had similar with so we were targeting kind of b&b owners back end of last year thinking you know they'll be sick to the you know back teeth and uh might just want an exit especially if they're a bit older and we would then you know knock them into an apart hotel without a change of you know you could do that without planning so perfect and then as you say then the newspapers start rumbling this like massive boom and all of a sudden they go oh well, i think we'll just hang on for another year or so and see what right. happens but uh, but i think one thing uh, one thing property owners don't really understand is you could run an SA business in your property, 
you can get all the tax benefits and the capital allowance benefits and also you can employ a management company and you'll still make more money than an AST. Yes. You know, it, it is a powerful strategy if it's done right and you've got a property in the right location. So whilst SA is quite hands-on, if you're doing it, you can still, if you own the properties, you can still make a chunky profit by literally being, you know, sat back saying, you just take care of that, please. You know, you're the specialist at it and and crack on, just sends me money each month. And most people quite enjoy that sort of structure. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I could talk service accommodation all day long and um, I'll probably talk about it far too much, but I, I do love it as a strategy. And, um, you know, we've, we've recently sort of moving out to Dubai and, um, I also have had a few phone calls about some sort of more villa opportunities in Europe, which I think is again is going to be big money uh, post this pandemic. So we'll see how that plays off. But we've actually got a question. So um, for those who start within the BRR property strategy, what would be your top tips or your biggest lessons you've learned if you were to start again? Um, not to wait. Uh, so when I first started, I had cash available to me to invest. And because so I've always been a property broker. Let me just quickly take you back before I invested. So I've always been a property broker through my letting agent, through my estate agent, where people want to buy investment properties. Right. I've always done that. So I've bought hundreds of properties for clients, gone out, find them, found them really good investment deals. I still do that. Um, but when it came to me investing, for me, I had cash available and it was sat there doing nothing. And I must, I must have viewed 50 properties and all of them were ticking my boxes because I do my due diligence before I go out to them, before I even make the call. I do some due diligence. Um, and I went around viewing these properties. All of them were ticking my boxes. Yield, yes. Demand, yes. Valuations, yes. GDV, uh, gross development value, yes. All of them were getting ticked. Demographics for the tenants, rent values, exit values, two-year strategy. So all of my properties have a two-year strategy on them. Um, anyway, but I wasn't buying them because I was scared, right? What I was thinking was this is going to be the house that the tenant doesn't pay rent for a year. This is going to be the house that I buy and the property market crashes. This is going to be the house that the roof falls off or the boiler explodes on day one. This is going to be where I lose or, or the interest rates are going to shoot up here. This is this is the house that's going to cost me all my money. I'm going to lose everything. So I just didn't buy it. I was looking for that perfect one. And I say quite often in my podcast about don't chase a unicorn, buy a workhorse because there's loads of them available and they're easy to find. So I didn't buy, I didn't buy, I didn't buy. And I waited and I waited and I waited. And it got about eight months or so, eight or nine months down the line. I hadn't bought anything. Cash is there waiting for me, doing nothing. And I thought, oh, you know what? I'm scared of this. This is really scary to me, even though I've done it hundreds of times. And I know what a good property is and I know how to buy a good house. This is really scary. And then I heard this little phrase, which was uh, feel the fear and do it anyway. Yeah. And I just I thought, right, that's it. The next place that I find that ticks my boxes, I'm just going to buy it. And as long as I can make some profit, then I'm better than I am now. So making something is better than nothing. And then once I've got one under my belt, if some way down the line, I find a much better property, then I can sell this one and I can buy that one. 
but I've got to be making some sort of profit now. And the next thing I did, and by, sorry for waffling here, but just to answer that question, the next thing I did was that I was spending all of my time listening to as many podcasts as are possible, doing as much training, as many webinars, reading as much, as many books, just educating, educating, educating as much as I could. But what I was always doing was preparing. I was always preparing and never actually doing. And so I'm spending all this money on bloody all these different books and what have you, but never actually doing the things that all these people are telling me to do. And pretty much all of them were saying to me, get on with it, go and do it, go and do it. So um, I mean, my advice, yeah, that was it. My advice basically is to is to get yeah. your first one done. As I like the Nike slogan, just do it. Yeah, right. That's it. Just do it. You know, and um, I, you know, I, I see it time and time again where you know they do the they procrastinate. They've got the figures good on a spreadsheet, and by the end of the day, they turn the figures bad on the spreadsheet, and then they don't do anything with it. It's like you actually had a good deal there. You know, you just need to keep. I know, but I, nah, 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 nah. and it is. It's and and this is where. This game is not just about knowledge and getting on a course or a webinar. You know, this game is very much about action and, you know, taking care of things. That, that goes back. You, back. you are right. You are right. And do you know, do you know there's, a, there's a, another side to it as well that I wish I'd have done. So I spent a lot of time just watching other people's content and reading books and so on and so on and so on. Actually, if I go back now, I probably would have just got some sort of mentor. Um, I don't do mentoring. I don't do training courses or anything like that. But I know a lot of good people that do. And if, I actually probably would have, if I didn't have my own property experience, I'd probably go and find a good mentor that is doing what I want to do. So if it's SA, go after Ryan Luke, get Ryan Luke involved so I'm plugging you on your own podcast, but you know, the point is, is that Ryan is you're doing what what there are thousands of people out there that want to do. Yeah, so, I mean, I work, I I I've worked with mentors since 2017, and I still continue to work with them. Mine have not all been property mentors. In fact, this year is the first time I've only actually stepped into the world of a property mentor. Uh, most of them have been sales marketing, and um, but I I will. If somebody's where you want to be, just pay for it and copy them. It's yeah. that you'll get there so much quicker. There's no point trying to reinvent the wheel either. I think, I think to to go back to to your um, your viewers' question there, what would I do differently? There's a few, loads of different things, of course, but I'd get on with it for a start. I'd just get the first one under my belt, definitely, and I would definitely go and copy people that are achieving what I want to achieve. And you could be quite surprised, actually, at the different levels. You know, if you go and start copying someone who's got a thousand properties in their portfolio worth multi, multi, multi millions of pounds, start copying them, then you're probably not going to succeed because they mm. will have access to not just funds that you don't, but also developments and projects that you don't. So you want to find someone who's got 20 properties, copy them. When you've reached what you want to reach with them, go and find someone who's got a hundred properties and copy them, and so on and so on and so on. Um, yeah. I'd also probably say, uh, sorry for waffling again, but I'd probably also say is start learning about actual investing, 
not just property, because there's so much correlation there. I think money mindset and money management. I mean, that comes back to exactly why you procrastinated. You know, your money mindset wasn't there. You you you, you couldn't pull the, pull the trigger, mm. and you know that's super, super important. Um, so, what's on the cards for you now? What's next? So uh, next for me, still buying. Um, I think this uh, the property brokering thing is going quite well. So I'm probably going to carry on doing that. I tend to do so. Look, I like for an example. There's a load of people that don't know what sourcing agents are around. Don't know how to. You know, if a sourcing agent brings you a property and you don't know, you know, you're not hugely experienced in that area. You don't know what's a good property deal or not. You don't know what someone's just trying to flog you and what they're not. So I kind of act as that little bit of due diligence between um, the investor doesn't pay me. Uh, I've got deals with the sourcing agents who give me a little intro fee um, for a good buyer. So I'll probably carry on doing that and introduce properties to people that want to invest. I'm going to buy a few more serviced accommodation properties. Um, Again, I'll have a two year strategy on them. All of my properties have a pretty uh, con- pretty detailed two-year strategy mm-hmm. and with a review on that because I think we're going to have two years of absolute rocket fuel in the in the SA uh, industry, um, maybe longer, who knows. And outside of that, I'm uh, carrying on growing this, this business. Again, like we were saying at the beginning here, it's all like a wildfire, really. You start learning how to invest your money correctly not just in property but in your business too and you start learning how to look after your business and grow it um it makes you more busy but you're having more fun at the same time you can start doing things with your money that maybe you would have been a bit too cautious to do beforehand what about you yeah no same same i think um i i've pushed quite heavily in the development space so uh we are currently got quite a bit under offer and uh, I've got a lot of offers in there and we've got a a big 16 apartment development in planning. So uh, I've with service accommodation, I've figured out that multiple units in one location is the piece de resistance, as they say. And um, so that's kind of what I'm focusing on buying now. I'm not really buying any single dwellings. So we're just kind of looking at these developments and, excited to get that going and and the only downside is i am a very impatient person so <laughs> the thought of like 14 weeks to get through planning before you can even do anything like frustrates the hell out of me but yeah. you know i've just got to um accept that and it'll all i think you just got to have all these developments going through the planning process so that when they come out you're ready to go again and again and again and so so that's kind of what i'm up to on the on the purchasing side of things and what about your podcast yeah, podcast is, you know, just weekly, plenty of guests and, you know, get get great feedback on it. And, um, you know, I, I speaking a lot on Clubhouse as well. I know you're on there as well. So doing a, a fair bit of speaking on Clubhouse. So see how that plays out. I'm not I'm not sure I'm as bought into that as a long-term platform as probably everybody else is thinking. I, I do think once the Android users have their wave of it, I think they'll then say whether it's going to go anywhere or not. But at the minute, it's a good platform. I think we all spent about 12 hours a day on it when it first launched, and we're probably down to about one now. But, um, I'm going to ask you about Clubhouse then because I so, so I, I still do my podcast, which I just do it just 
because I just really enjoy it now. I don't I don't necessarily make money out of it. I get some business. I mean, well, mine. I just like talking yeah. to people. You know, yeah, same. And look, it leads to things, doesn't it? If you want to network with people, go and interview them and stuff. But, um, but well, it, I, I was I had Dick Sesh on yesterday, and he's a performance and fitness coach. So afterwards, I signed up to his performance and fitness thing. <laughs> there you go. There you go. No, that's it. So I'll have some. Yeah, it does just grow, doesn't it? You, you, the more people you speak to, the more people that are interested in what other people's opinions are about. So let's take property for an example. By the way, my podcast is The Anonymous Landlord, as Ryan very kindly mentioned. Um, but mine's all about landlording, property investing for the purpose of being a landlord, right? So flip to let, buy to let, all that sort of stuff. But if you're a property investor, you're a property investor. And that's why I always pick on Ryan to come and come and do this stuff on my podcast, because if you've got a ton of a portfolio of properties and you want to start diversifying and making a bit more money, a bit more profit, you don't mind taking a little bit more risk, but because you're going to make much more profit, then serviced accommodation. I mean, that's what I'm going to get into a bit. And I watch loads of stuff that, that you do, Ryan. And I think, well, you know, sod it. I'm going to get into that, you know, but to grow that as well, it's, it's, there's loads of people out there. It's, I'd be interested, actually, who do you think I should interview? Uh, me again. And then that'll be a hat trick oh. on your show, I think. Um, <laughs> Elon Musk, do you think you can get him on? Well, that would be a challenge, but hey, that would do some, that would boost the numbers, wouldn't it? I think he, uh, he, he nearly broke Clubhouse, didn't he? He went on Clubhouse and he was like, <laughs> the whole thing down i think there was like there was like rooms of people recording the main room back in this room and i think the whole platform just like went and that was quite early on as well so uh, <laughs> I, think, I think you know you just i think the best guests are you know just ones that you can have a good bit of a good bit of crack with you know you you, you talk about subjects that are interesting to your audience and interesting to us i mean hopefully most people can see that we we don't see this as a job you know, and everybody else I network with and everybody else that, you know, I do business with, this isn't a job for us. This is just like we enjoy what we do. We can do it on our own time. We can push it in our own different way. You know, I, I mentioned quite a bit, like I don't really get involved in the operations now of the business, you know. So, um, you know, that, that side of it I've done, I've served my time and I've systemized and processed it. And that allows me to do stuff like this. And, you know, it allows me to do other things you know i'm gonna go and play tennis after this and you know i can do you know i can do what i want and and i think that's why property is so great because it gives you that recurring revenue no matter which strategy you do it in and i think we're all prop we're all just entrepreneurs and property is our subject and then property within that subject has a million different branches that you can do you know whether it's flips brr service combination hmos you know the list goes on and on and on and on and i think what we do as businesses is we we evolve, don't we? So we we start off, you know, I was the same as you, like podcasts every single minute I was in the car, books and audio books. And I'm like, right, okay, right, lease options. I've, I've learned that this week. I'm going to go and try and get some of them. And, and then you're like, oh, BRI, I understand that now. I'm going to go and try and get some of them. And, and and then you kind of, as your cash flow builds, you know, I think, I think you kind of, you hone in on one strategy, don't you? So for me, it was service accommodation. You know, I've got HMOs and I've got buy-elects, but for me, it was, it was service accommodation that I enjoyed the most. I enjoyed the logistics of it. I enjoyed, obviously, the cash flow from it. So that's kind of become my speciality. But then as my as the cash flow building, you're like, 
okay, well, single dwellings aren't serving me anymore because, for one, I'm sick of doing applications for solicitors and remortgages. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, if I can do one application for 16 units rather than 16 different ones, I know which one I'll be choosing. So, but then I think just naturally you evolve. And through that evolvement is, I think, dependent on where you're networking. So where I'm networking right now is with a lot of developers, new build sort of um, companies, uh, people that have been you know, in that game for quite some time. So that naturally leads to conversations. You have your eyes opened a bit, but then you also know that if you have those problems, you can go back to your network. You know, or for me, I like one of them, you know, mentoring so I can just go to them and say, is this right? Is that wrong? And, you know, and it doesn't matter how good, how, like, I thought I was experienced until you meet some of these people. And you're like, oh, yeah. I know absolutely nothing about property, you know? And, um, and then, and, but then you go, but I want to know it. And, and if I get to know it, I can then start doing these like hundreds of million deals, never mind just like the, the little ones. And I think it all becomes a stepping stone, but it's, it's, it doesn't happen overnight and you've got to evolve. Yeah. You know, you've, you've got to evolve. And I think you can have some quick wins. Don't get me wrong. Rent to SAs and rent to rents and things like that. You can have some quick wins. But the long-term gain of, you know, millions in the bank account or, you know, roll rent, uh, rent rolls of, you know, 50, 60, 100 grand a month, you know, that's going to take time to build. But, you know, you can get there. You, you can't every – I think the good thing about property is every man, every woman, you know, can get there. You know, we can – we've got the ability – Everyone's got the ability to get into property. Half the time, you just you talk a bit of sense and, and get on with people, and, and you can get stuff over the line. You don't need to know the ins and outs of it all. I mean, I think back to my my first Airbnb unit. I didn't have a clue what I was doing, but I just went with it, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, yeah. And, you know, you don't, you don't have to be highly educated, certainly not in property, because you can apply any skill set that you have just in your natural life, you can apply that same skill set to property. Everyone's bought something from a shop before. Yeah. Everybody's used that product that they bought from a shop. And it's no different. If you're going to go and buy a property, have a look on Airbnb and see what other properties similar to that one rent out for. And now you know that you're going to get £100 a night for that property. Now talk to a hotel manager and find local hotel manager and find out what their occupancy rate generally is across the year. And if they say it's normally about 70%, then you know that generally speaking, you're going to get £100 a night every night, 70% of the year. So that's your income. And now if you work out that I want to make 20% yield on all my cash, so you might invest in a property that's going to generate you the right income at a nightly rate at 70% occupancy, that's going to return to you 20% on your cash that you will have invested in that property. And I know that I've probably just explained that really simply there, but what I guess I'm getting to is if, if you want to make 20% on all cash that you ever invest, how much cash have you got today? If you've got 50 grand cash right now in your pocket, you could buy a 200,000 pound property and you now know that you're going to rent it out for hundred pound a night for 70% of the year. So that's going to be, what's that? Let's work it out very quickly. It's going to be about 28, 30 grand a year, right? Something like that. So you now know your 50 grand cash is going to generate you 30 grand a year. That's good enough for you. That's good enough for anybody, right? Simple yeah. as that. So once you then work that out backwards, just go and find the places that are in good areas that are going to attract good holiday people and go and buy that property or keep preparing 
and let someone else do it. You should start mentoring. <laughs> <laughs> no, I do not. Do you know what? I've been asked. I've been asked a lot of times to mentor people in um, in in property investing and landlording, and not so much landlording, but property investing. But I don't know. I just feel like it's something that. I don't I want to do. <laughs> no, I, th I think you've got to be there. I mean, I, I didn't really want to do it. But, well, it just wasn't on my radar, you know, sort of 18 months ago or whenever. And then my plumber asked me if I'd help him do what I've done. So I was like, yeah, all right. And at least I've had results. And then, and then it just kind of went merry. But let me just, my, I'm just keeping this audio echoing. Can you hear that? I'm not hearing an echo. No, it seems all right to me. Oh, maybe it's just me. Oh, well, if you're not hearing it, then I'm sorry. I might do. If the price was right someone and someone wanted me to mentor them, I might do. But I think, I um, think if you want to do mentoring, and I think that's the great thing about the game now is you can um, you can accelerate your journey. You can just, like for me, for example, now, like rather than me now going back to the books, I can just say, there's some money. I want you to teach me how to do this. And I want that end result. And they're like, well, it's going to cost you that. And I'll go, right, that's fine. Because that's an investment in me and there's an ROI on it. And I think the more I go through my journey, I realize I can just pay for things now to get to get further ahead quicker. And, you know, and that's really been a game changer for me. And that goes for staff as well. You know, rather than seeing them as an, an expense, I imbue them as an investment. And that allows, you know, the business to, to scale further. But I think with mentoring, you've got to, because, the, the, you know, it gets quite a bit of criticism, but, you know, I go all in. Like, I love it. I, I actually do enjoy seeing, like, my plumber actually sent me a text the other day saying, I've got four going through conveyancing. When they complete, I have a million pound portfolio. 18 months ago, we nothing about property, you know? So it's that sort of stuff that you're like, yeah, that's why I do this, you know? And, and you know, you're changing lives and, and it, it's... um. It does get a bit of bad press, but if you go all in and you really want to make a difference to people, you can make a difference. But you do have to put the time on the table to do that, you know, and there's the structure and how you deliver it and, you know, everything else that needs to go with it. So, but everybody can help somebody, you know, and if everybody did help somebody, the world would be a lot better place. But there's there's not, you know, but, you know, you don't, you don't necessarily have to charge for it all the time. But, you know, if everyone just helps someone get further ahead, then, you know, we'd all be in a better place. And um, and that's kind of why I do it now. Here's a, here's a good question for you then, mate. If I've got 50 grand cash right now and I want to get into service accommodation, but I want to be an anonymous landlord about it and I don't want anything to do with it, and I just said to you, here you go, Ryan, here's 50 grand. I just want 20%. What would you do? I'd say... Um, Sod the service accommodation. Let's go to Vegas when the plane. <laughs> I'll stick it on red and see what's what. Um, <laughs> I definitely, I definitely wouldn't. Uh, yeah, I mean, if, if you had fifty k, I mean, I um, you know, I don't do deal sourcing because I get asked all the time, but I feel it's a conflict of interest because I can, if I want to, if I find a good deal, I'll buy it myself. So I don't feel like I'd ever want to pass that on. But I'm in that position, fortunately, where it's not about I've got money to buy the deals. So I understand why people do deal source when they can't fund them themselves. And I totally get that. Um, so that's not my business model. But what I would what I would do is I would probably hook you up with a deal sourcer such as yourself. 
and say, here's going to find you a property and then we'll manage that property on the back end and get you the return. You know, so I do have connections with deal sources who've come to me and said, can we tie up with you? We, we want to be able to demonstrate to our investors that we can get more out of the property using your services. And obviously the deals are then more attractive and therefore they sell more deals. So it's a win-win for everybody, you know, and, and, and that's what I think is great about this industry, how you can have each person takes care of their own units. Uh, the alternative would be, you know, if it depends how involved they wanted to get, you know, if someone had 50K, I would potentially say if they're willing to put the work in themselves, I would almost siphon some of that money off and go and set up 10 rent to rent SA deals to start off with and just generate a load of cash flow back in. And then that that also will will create quick cash flow and your 50K, yeah, it might dip down to 30K, but within six months, seven months, it will be back up to probably 70K, you know, and then all of a sudden you made a healthy return quite quickly and you can then start, because that's what I did. I, I kind of, I was buying slowly and because the, the money wasn't quick coming back in, then I discovered kind of rent to rent. I went mental on it. The cash flow went, you know, skyrocketed. And then I, I kept pumping that back into assets. And then the asset portfolio, all of a sudden, I woke up one day, I was like, Jesus Christ, I own quite a bit of property, you know, without even thinking about it. Because I was just on that wheel of just kept pumping it back in. And, and you know, I still to, to this day continue to take rent to rents on and, you know, and use the cash flow to buy more assets. And, you know, so you can kind of link strategies together to make them work. Mm-hmm. But you've got to know what you're doing to be able to pull it off. And I think that's that's the main thing is you've got to know what you're doing. Yeah, it's an interesting point about sources as well. I mean, now the, the the properties that I pass on to other people are the ones that I don't want. And that doesn't necessarily need to be a negative thing. But because I've built up that network now of sources and those types of people that bring properties, I can be fussy. So now I get offered enough 20% plus deals um, as a yield on my cash 20% plus deals that um, I can just have them for me. And anything that's above, say, 10% for a beginner investor, anything over 10% is a really nice deal to get you started, right? Just as I'm talking about standard buy to lets, uh, maybe the flip to lets as well. But generally speaking, the average property that I'm now passing on is about 14 to 15% return on the cash. So good deals, but just not enough for me anymore. And yeah. I expect that if you're a beginner investor, you start doing this for a number of years, you build up your portfolio, you'll be the same, where you're not going to start going after the 14 15% as you're going to want 20% plus. Um, but you've got to start somewhere, right? And so you're absolutely right. I've built this little now this little network of investors i don't work with everybody i keep it quite small otherwise you get a lot of people asking you have you got another property yet have you got another property yet um whereas i keep that quite small so when i'm offered one that doesn't tick my yield box but it still is a good deal then you know you 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 pass them on and it's but yeah it, it's it's a fun way like go back to what we were saying earlier on networking is key and the more you do property the more properties you buy the more people you meet and the more network your more your network grows and the more deals you'll get and yeah the only reason i asked you that 50 grand question was because i just before this i had a call with uh a a couple that uh, want to invest and they had 50 grand and they said what would you do with 50 grand tom and 
I went, I mean, I went on for about half an hour, I think, <laughs> waffling on about bloody yields and flips and growing cash flow, managing money. So I, I do things like, for example, if I buy a property and I start getting rent profit coming in, I, I use that rent profit, I invest it in other things short term, put it yeah. back in my investment pot and the whole you are, doesn't it? Fifty K is not gonna go very far in central London, but you know, you could buy probably a street in Newcastle somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> you know? so there's, there's like it, it's totally different. And I have this conversation putting up it with a couple of a couple of men this morning. They're they're down south and they're like, we want to start buying assets. They've had a great rent to rent run over the last six, seven months of in that position. And they were like, Where should we we buy? And I was like, Well, how much have you got? And they're like this. I was like, Well. North's probably going to suit you better. And like, but we live down south. I'm like, well, you know, sometimes you've got to travel. You know, you are allowed to leave the south. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's, up here. it's actually quite good. Most most people love coming out of Newcastle for a night out. But um, but no, I think it's it's whatever. You you know, it, it depends on how involved you want to be. You know, how much you're willing to travel, how much time you've got. There's so many different questions to be asked to be able to say that's the right solution for you. And everyone. Mm -hmm everyone's different and i think you've just got to kind of work with everybody on an individual basis and say i think that's the best advice for your situation given what you've told me and and you know and then you try and make it work between everyone but there's so many different ways to spin this you know so many different ways to spin it and um you know if uh, if your your investors want higher returns you know you could say well, Ryan can actually run your portfolio for you and they can run it on SA and this, that, and the other, you know, and that's 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 another way to like say, okay, well, how do we turn a 14% yield into a 25? Same property, same purchase price, just a different exit strategy. And, you know, so yeah. there's so many different ways to do that. But then you might get someone to say, well, I'm all right with 14 and I don't really want to try that 25% stuff because of X, Y, Z. And, um, you know, it's it blows my mind when landlords are like, I'd rather take the tenant on than yourselves because obviously it's safer. I'm like, have you seen this farm before? You know, have you have you have you have you had tenants that don't pay rent and you can't do anything with them? You know, yeah. but, uh, but you've got to calculate it on risk, haven't you? You know, the fact is, if if you're a landlord and you're referencing a single tenant to move into your property, and that one that one tenant entity says to you. Well, you've got two options, right? You've got tenant A and tenant B. Tenant A earns £20,000 a year in a standard job, no problem. Tenant B earns a million a year because they do hundreds of rent-to-rents. <laughs> you go in with the tenant that earns a million a year, right? Well, yeah, that would be the logical tenant choice, but right. <laughs> how many don't? And they're like, oh, well, I don't want the wear and tear on my property and blah, blah. And you're like, would you like to come and see some of our properties? You know, you you can like, I actually said to anyone that's a bit hesitant, now I've got the portfolio, I just say, listen, that's empty, that's empty, that's empty. There's the lockbox codes. Go and check yourself in and have a look at the condition we keep those properties in. And they, they, they go through the first door and then they ring and they're like, yeah, okay, we'll go with you. You know, <laughs> It's like a hotel room, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. You know, we can't, we can't supply a product to guests unless it's in tip-top conditions. So, you know, we have to keep it like that all the time. And um, but people don't like change, right? And that's what it comes down to. Some some of these landlords have been doing it for like decades and decades. They're just so used to getting their rent roll, and they're quite happy with it. And they just don't want to change. And and that's yeah. um, but that's that's why the world's a magical place. Because you know, if we're all the same, it would be boring.
You know what? It's it, it's one of those things. Service accommodation is really exciting, and it's just made me think. My my company, my letting agent has a rent roll of a good few hundred thousand a month, and I start looking at that and thinking, mm, <laughs> hold on a minute. Trying to get like a five hundred k a month. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, where are you in five years, mate? Retired on a yacht. Doing bugger all. Nice. Do you say you play tennis? I do, yes. I do. do you? Are you good? I'm all right. I'm all right. Oh, I was, I was going to say I'll come up and give you a game. No, but... come on, give me a game. Come on, give me a game. Yeah, I'll come I, up. I used to be a very good golfer, uh, but I kind of fell out of love with golf a few years ago, and um, I've sort of picked up tennis, and um, I love it. There's literally an, an LTA club at the bottom of my street here, so... Uh, yeah, come up next time you're in the northeast. Bring your racket. We'll have a game in a few beers. Yeah, I'm well up for that. Um, we might have to do a trade off then. We'll play, we'll play a game of golf and a game of tennis. Winner takes all. Winner buys. We'll lose the buys the meal. Deal. We'll be, we'll be able to eat out by then, hopefully. Yeah, so. I'll be up in the next few weeks, so I'll definitely uh, I'll put my head around the door. We'll book something in, and we'll have a game. Yeah, no. Don't make sure you don't get nosebleed on the way up, though. Eh? <laughs> I'll have to wear about three coats, I think, up the up the north. <laughs> It'll be all right. Yeah, no, let's do that. So, hey, as always, Tom, uh, you know, great show, great episode, great to chat to you. Um, how can people find you if they don't know already? Um, probably the best way is through Facebook. It's just Tom Pink Street or listen to my podcast, The Anonymous Landlord. It's on all the platforms. Um, I'll probably have Ryan Luke episode 65 at some point soon. Um, you know, there's hundreds of episodes on there and uh, have a have a good listen. There's cool. even there's even an interview with the infamous Samuel Leeds on there. That was fun. Yeah, I have to, I haven't listened to that actually. I might uh, only give it a whirl. But um Yeah. He's entertaining. Yeah, I can imagine. I can imagine. Uh so right, Tom, I need to shoot. I'm sure you need to shoot. Absolute pleasure as always. Thank you, mate. Thanks to everyone as well. Take care. Thank you for joining me and I hope you enjoyed this podcast. But before you go to the next episode, I really want to hear from you. Just search Tom Sohn on any social media or just email me tom at pinkstreet.co.uk. I'd love to know your thoughts on this episode. And if you need any help with your own situation, just get in touch. I'll answer every email and every message I promise. Anyway, see you in the next podcast and remember, being a landlord is hard. Being an anonymous landlord is easy. Invest, enjoy, repeat and grow.